teaching them the Vaisheni time period, which wasn't as exciting. I used to teach the stories in Navi, which they found very exciting. And uh, there's a lot of, there's good stories. But we have to appreciate that it's not stories, it's not a history book. Every single thing that's in Navi is there for a te'elus and a tachlus and a purpose. They're all bag. One of the Rishayim on Navi, Kaseder, has lists of te'eluses, of what you're supposed to learn out from the different things. And Bez Hashem, as we go along through the Sefer, Shmuel Aleph, Shmuel Beis, will come across a tremendous amount of hashkafas and important limudim that we could take into our lives. The hashivas of Sefer Shmuel is miyuchet and bezunder from all the other neviim, in that if you look at the tkufas in Klal Yisrael, we, know, we don't know very much about many tkufas in Klal Yisrael. When you read the neviim, you feel like you're getting the story, but if you really pay attention, there's five, six psukim telling you about 40 years, and maybe we get the big battles to get the level of detail that we get about the life, the frat of Dovra Hamelech, who is the Imzmir Yisrael, we spell much of our tefillah comes from Dovra Hamelech, Tehillim, and really the life of Dovra Hamelech is there for us to learn from, and that's one of the reasons I chose to start with Sefer Shmuel, because Baruch put so much emphasis on every detail, it's something which is very, very important for us to learn from the life of Dovra Hamelech, the frat, and really that's the main focus of Sefer Shmuel. Now, there's also another reason is that there is a difficulty when you're going to start from, say, for Yeshua, that you get into Chalukah Sa'aretz, which is a little bit technical and difficult, so that's another reason, to be honest, why I wanted to start with, say, for Yeshua, with, say, for Shmuel, but there's a tremendous amount of Limudim, there's a tremendous amount to learn from, say, for Shmuel. Now, who is, what is, say, for Shmuel? So, say, for Shmuel is written, the beginning of, say, for Shmuel is written by Shmuel Anavi, Shmuel himself is nifter close to the end of Shmuel Aleph. Now, Agav, I should mention, there's no such thing as Shmuel Aleph and Shmuel Beis as far as Klal Yisrael is concerned. Unfortunately, because it became such a convention, we use it also. It's spread, it was split up by the Christians in that way. There's no has no source Bechlal in. Now, they picked a pretty good spot where Dovra Melch, where Shaul was nifter, and Dovra Melch becomes the king. But it's a logical spot to break it up, but it's not a Dovra that comes from any Mokim of Kedusha. In fact, the Prokim and Tanakh also do not come from Kali, so they come from the Christians as well. Now, so Shmuel wrote the first Chalik of the Sefer, and then God and Nosan Hanavi took over writing the Sefer, and they wrote until the end of the Sefer. Now, the Tkufa that we're going to be talking about is a tkufa of transition. It's a time period where there's change in Klal Yisrael. It's the end of the time period of the Shaiftim. It's the beginning of the time period of the Nevi'im. And it's a totally new era in Klal Yisrael. And each era in Klal Yisrael has great people who begin it, great people who end it. If you notice, if you look throughout history, the end of every era, you look at the end of the Rishayim, end of the the end of the Amiram Tanoam, there's always very great people at the end of an era, there's great people at the beginning of an era, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts them there to draw a close, there's different time periods in Klai Yisrael's history, and the Sefer Shmuel really is the transition from the Shaiftim, which Eli HaKayin, who we're going to start with, is the, is the last of the Shaiftim, well, Shmuel really was also a Shaifet, Shmuel was a Shaifet and a Novi, and it transitions into the time period of the Nevi'im, and the Nevi'im really gained prominence, Dafka, during the time period when there's kings. It's also the beginning of the time period of the Muluch and Klal Yisrael. And the importance of a Novi, when you have a king, is that a Novi can tell a king the truth. And, you know, who's going to tell a king what to do? No one can tell a king the truth. No one can speak honestly to a king. And that's why you need a Novi, only someone who speaks with the Dvar Hashem. And that's why it was always, we find, there had to be, every king had his Novi who was 
menabbed him and gave him harsh musr. And this is something that's needed as we enter the time period of the Malachim. Now, just to uh, catch up those, and, you know, we, we've all learned in, in elementary school, but it's been a long time since elementary school, those who forgot the basic history, so I'm just going to give a two-minute catch-up from when Moshe Rabbeinu, from the end of Zeis HaBracha, until Sefer Shmuel. So, after Moshe Eved Hashem, so Yeshua takes Klal Yisrael across the Yardim with tremendous Nisim, conquer Yericha with tremendous Nisim, and then begins seven years of Kibosh, seven years of tremendous battles throughout Eretz Yisrael to conquer Eretz Yisrael, another seven years of Chalukas Haaretz. During those 14 years, the Mishkan, we're learning about in this, these parashiyas, was located in it was located in Gilgal, and then after that, the Mishkan was moved to Shiloh. It was turned into a more permanent structure. There were walls of stone, and then there was a urea on top, and they had the clay Mishkan, and that was, for the next several hundred years, the Mishkan was in Shiloh. Shiloh had certain specific halachas, the Mashal Karbonus had to be eaten in Yerushalayim, or eaten in Haraya, wherever you could see Shiloh. Very interesting archaeologically, when they dig up. So whenever there's a place where you ate, we had to eat, Kodshim, that you that Kodshim, you know the halach, you're only for two days, and it becomes nicer, and then the, the bleas and the pot become also, they find a lot of broken pottery. People would get a pot, they'd have to use a new pot, they'd cook it, and then they break it, because and they do archaeological digs, they know where Shiloh is, and the, mountain, the, the mountains around Shiloh, on one side, facing Shiloh, they find a lot of broken pottery, not on the other sides, because that's where people are eating the Kodshim, they were coming to Shiloh. Now, the Mishkan was in Shile, and we go through the time period of Shaftim. The time period of Shaftim can really be summed up, and it's summed up in the beginning of Sefer Shaftim, that it was a time period in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu was Ein Melech Bayom Heim Ein Melech B'Yisrael Ish Hayosh of Ein People really left their own devices, which on the one hand is a very high madrega. People had Hashem was their king. They were directly under the control of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and when people didn't act appropriately, so then very quickly HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought them enemies brought them tremendous suffering, and as the Averis got worse with each successive shayfet, there was, obviously there's a pattern, they would do Averis, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu would bring an enemy, and first it was an enemy from far away, not so bad, Klaiso would cry out, they'd do tshuva, Hashem brought them a shayfet who would save them, sometimes in more natural manner, sometimes in more miraculous manner, and each time, unfortunately, the pattern, you know, it's when you have a pattern, the, the, the troughs became lower and the highs didn't become quite as high and they're going in a downward zigzag and things are getting worse and worse until finally we're getting to the Tkufa of Eliakoyin, which is the beginning of Sefer Shmuel. It's a Tkufa where Klal Yisrael had sunk quite low in being Eved Avei Dezara, which really HaKadosh Baruch Hu predicts. Moshe Rabbeinu says that I know Klal Yisrael is going to be Eved Avei Dezara, and it's because they left certain from the Shiva Amun that were there, and they were influenced by the practices, and Klal Yisrael felt Avei Dezara, and things had gotten so bad that they were completely under control of the Polishtim. Palestinians were making our stars back then, even though actually historically it's not the same people. The Palestinians today are not natives, Bechlal, the Plishtim are from, I think, the areas around Crete and Greece, and they came down the coast. They're a fearsome, were, were, were tremendous warriors. They had their, their, their famous wagons, which will come across soon, and they're the oxygen wagons they used in battle, and will come across them when they send the Oren back that way. And the Plishtim were totally dominant over Klal Yisrael. We'll discuss very soon, we'll get to, not tonight, but pretty early on in the Sefer, we get to a major battle with the Plishtim. And we know that the, the Shaifet preceding 
seating Eli was actually Shimshon Agibar when all his strange battles, one man army against the entire Machna Plishtim. And unfortunately, Kalisol had sunk to a very low point. And we get now very, very bright flash at the end. We have Eli Akayin and Shmuel Anabi, or the last of the Shaftim. And from there, we're going to move on into the Tkufa of the Malchus. And there's just one more Indian before we begin the Sefer, the actual started to learn actually the, the Navi is it's very very important to appreciate that we're going through a time period in history where there was a tremendous it's a horror for desire that we can't appreciate and we can't comprehend in the same way a person who would not have the ability to taste food or have any smell and we only experienced during Corona. If you didn't taste the smell, you had no need to horror for food. You had no, no interest in food. So you, you know what food's supposed to taste like. So you can understand someone wanting to eat food. But someone who was born without a sense of taste or smell has no comprehension for why people want to eat. So, you know, we don't have the comprehension of the physical drive that they had in those days to Rabbi Dazar. And therefore, to us, it seems bizarre and strange. But it's only because Anshi Knesset realized that Klaisel couldn't survive with this Yetzirah and we're in the for it to be taken away. And why was there such a strong Yetzirah? So the truth is that this Yetzirah, like everything else in the world, is Zel Uma Zeb Baralikin, there's a Tzad HaToiv and a Tzad HaRa. And this natural, there was, there was a drive for Ruchnius. This natural drive for Ruchnius was something that unfortunately, if it's used for the wrong purposes, brought a person to Havai Desar. There was a taiva for some sort of transcendent experience. And at the same time, if you used it correctly, that's what allowed a person to become a Navi. When the Yitzhahara for Havai Desar was removed, so along with it, the possibility for Navua left. And that's the end of Navua and Klal Yisrael. So we, you know, we have to look at it through the lens. We see Havai Desar cropping up again and again. And great people, we have to appreciate the Yitzhahara for Havai Desar. And we're starting with <clears throat> one last thing. We're starting with Eli Akoyin, and we have to appreciate Eli Akoyin. We're going to see that tremendous fault is found in his sons, although the Gemara tells us it's not to the level that the Navi seems to make it out. But Eli Akoyin is one of the greatest people in all of history. He's one of the only people in history, there's one other person, maybe, but not quite, who had all three Ksarim of Kali. So we know there's a Keser Kuhuna, there's a Keser Malchus, and there's a Keser Teir. Eli was the God Lahadar and Teir. He's one of the people in the Rambam lists the Messiah of the Teir Shaval Peh. So he took it from Pinchas and gave it to Shmuel Anavi. So he's the Messiah of Teir went through Eli Akoyin. He was the God Lahadar responsible for handing over the Teir. At the same time, he was also the Shaifet. That means he had the Meluchan Klai. So he had the Kesem Malchus and he was the Koin Godel. So he was a unique person, someone who had all three Ksarim. Tremendous, tremendous Sadik. We have to remember that as we begin the Sefer Shmuel. So, with all those hakdamas in place, as Hashem, we will uh, begin. So, actually, I didn't didn't quite finish, and I was talking about the histor- historical part, going through Sefer Shaftim, described the pattern of Shaftim. But it was a period of about four hundred years from when they went into Yisrael and various Shaftim. And at this point, it's almost four hundred years since they came into Yisrael. The Yad HaPlishtim is Gaver Aleim, and we pick up the story with <coughs> sh- close to the birth of Shmuel Anavi. So I gave out the copies. You have just uh, mm-hmm. the actual <coughs> words of the Navi. I'm not going to get too far. So, by he ish echad menhar masayim tsoifim, miharafroim. There was one man, we'll discuss obviously what's the nekud of ish echad. He came menhar masayim tsoifim, a place where masayim tsoifim, miharafroim, that was in the territory of Ephraim. 
Ushmoi, his name was Elkona ben Yeroicham ben Elihu ben Toichu ben Suf Efrasi. And he was an Efrasi. Now, we'll go back and go through each word of the Pasuk and just give a little bit of explanation what each what the Pasuk is trying to bring out over here. Now, just as general Hagdama, what, what, what my goal here with this, with the Shir, is I would like that we're moving along through the Navi. I don't want it to just to be, you know, say one Pasuk and then go off on a 40-minute tangent. But at the same time, we'll, as Hashem, try to bring up topics as we go along, whether it's topics of Hashkafa, Halacha, Pshat, and try to get an understanding of the Pasuk. So, Vayhi Ish Echad. Why is he referred to as an Ish Echad? So, <clears throat> the Lashon of Ish Echad refers to the fact that he was Miyuchad. He was something, there was something unique about him. He was special. And obviously, he was special in that he was Zaychad to have as a son, Shmuel. He was obviously a very special person. But it's not only that. We know that he was one of the Memches Nevi'im. He's one of the 48 Nevi'im. There was many Nevi'im in Klai, so he's one of the 48 Nevi'im whose Nevu was recorded with Darius. And not only that, his wife, Hannah, is a Nevi'ah. So a very, very unique person, but he's introduced as an Ish. And I saw the Das Seifrim says the reason why he's, the, there's, a, there's a stress on the fact that he's an Ish is because we're going to see that one of the things that was most unique about him, he did not as a leader and not as a Novi, he did as a regular person something that he did to be Ma'ir Klali Lamitsus, and he did this as a, just as a regular citizen, and that's why he's it's stressed that he was an Ishachar, he was one person, one individual, who made a tremendous difference just with his own personal example. So it's Ishachar min Ramatzayim Tzayfim. What's Ramatzayim Tzayfim? So Adar HaPshat, Ramatzayim Tzayfim. So first of all, we have, there's a Mokim called Tzayfim. The Gemara says, in Higir, we just had it in, in uh, the end of Mayakotin, persons may gil at Tzayfim, that's where they rise Kriya, it's a place they're able to see Yerushalayim, but it's not the same Tzayfim, it's a question exactly where Rama was, if this is near Yerushalayim, not near Yerushalayim. Shmuel Anavi, it says he was buried in, 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 in his hometown of Rama, but he was also, you know, and then today it's the Shmuel, Kever Shmuel is right near Yerushalayim, whether that actually is Kever Shmuel is a different question. But I'll call upon him, he was Minaramatsayim Tsaifim, so it was a place that was Tsaifim, and there was two Ramas, two Ramasayim is Balash and Rabbim, refers to there were two hills. The Gemara says it was two hills, Hatsaifim Zelazah, they were able to look at each other, two hills facing each other, and this place was Ramasayim Tsaifim. Now, in addition to the Pashib Shat, that there was a place called Ramasayim Tsaifim, the Malvin also adds that why is it called Tsaifim? So if you, if you pay attention to the end of the Pasik, what was his, his, his family name? Right? So we, we trace back, back his Yichas until Tzuf. So if his family traces its Yichas back to Tzuf, Right, Ben Teichu Ben Tzuf, and then Efrasi is a description. Tzuf is the last name we put there, so that's the Rosh Mishpacha. So it was a Ramasayim, the two hills that belonged to the family of Tzuf of Tzuf. That was just a reference to the family name, you know, like, like the Goldberg Estates. That's what Ramasayim Tzuf. So that's Alder Chapshat. Now, a very important Makuda when you're learning Nach is that there's Pshat and then there's Drash. And the Drash of Chazal is very often different and something that sometimes we're not so used to. If you listen in Chumash, we don't find this as much. But in Navi, very much, the Radak and the other Mepharshia Pshat, the Ralbag, are not necessarily at all going to be constrained by the way Chazal learned the Psukim. And Chazal, it's Drash and there's Pshat and there's, there's Pardis. There's a different Mahalchem of learning Torah. There's Pshat, Remis, Drash, and Said. And there's the pshat is how to understand the psukim and it has to fit. And some of the drushes chazal are very very difficult to fit into the psukim at all. They don't really work with the storyline. And chazal will bring out a drush, and the drush is also true. But there's also the level of pshat. Now over here, chazal darshan something which the mafarshim very often, if you 
think into it a little bit, you can put them together. And over here, the Mefarshim, including the Radak, put the Drash into the Pshat. So Chazal also, the Gemara Dashins that was from Asayim Tsaifim. So the Gemara says, the Gemara Megillah says that Echad mi Mosayim Tsaifim Shinasnab Lehem Yisrael. He was one of 200 Nevi'im that were Menaba Yisrael. That's one Pshat. And the Gemara brings a more Pshat oriented at the two hills that looked at each other. So what's, is it a name of a place or is it a reference to his Chashivas that he was one of the Nevi'im? And Agav Targum Yonison says that he was. <clears throat> he was one of the Talmidei Hanavim, who was there was the Navim had around them, they're called Bene Navim and Navi. They were the Talmidim, they're also Menabe, and he was one of the Navim. So we see that he was a Navi, or did he come from a place from a Saim Saifin? So it would appear that there was a Mokim that was Miyuchid for the Bene Navim to live, like they had Yeshivas. We find later in Malachim there's Yeshivas for the Bene Navim, and this was a place where the Bene Navim and Navim lived. And he was a person who was amongst these Nevi'im, and he lived in this place. So it's physically Ramasayim, two hills, and the Tzayfim, the Nevi'im, lived there. Now, it's an important Nakuda that's being brought out over here, that there's 200 Nevi'im. It's a very, very important Hagdama to the whole Sefer of Shmuel, and to the whole concept of Nevi'im, is to appreciate that as much as we only find 48 Nevi'im, there was, the Gemara says there was much more. There was hundreds of thousands of people who reached. They went through, if you go through Seifim Seel Sashar, right? It's a guidebook how to reach Nevoah, who reached the highest level of actually connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And they received communications from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But if the Nevoah is not Hutzuch it's not important for us. There's no message for us that it's not recorded. So it's reminding us that everything that is recorded here, there was hundreds of Nevi'im, and they weren't recorded because it wasn't for us. Every single detail that's here is here for us. What was his name? Ushmael cut now he he lived in Harafraim. We know that there's Ari Halavim amongst all the different Shratim had Ari Halavim and he lived in one of the Ari Halavim. He was a Levi, he was actually from the descendants of Kairach. And that's why Kairach, right? We, we know from Rashi and Chumash says that what made Kairach think he could go up against Moshe Rabbeinu, he saw that he's like a descendant of Shmuel Anavi. So he saw, and this was a very harsh of a family, the Bnei Kairach themselves were Nevi'im. On Asech, the Bnei Kairach Mizmar, the Bnei Kairach were Nevi'im, very harsh of a people, it was a very harsh of a family, but they lived in Ephraim. Ushmoy Elkana, and then we get his name. Elkana ben Yeroicham, ben Aliu, ben Toyu, ben Tzuf. And he was an Ephrasi. What does it mean he was an Ephrasi? Now, obviously, it doesn't mean he was from Shevet Ephraim because he wasn't. He was a Levi. So either it means that he was Ephrasi, referring to his living amongst Ephraim, or Ephrasi could be a term of Chashivas, that he was someone who lived in the area of... of uh, I'm sorry, that Ephrasi is, is a, it's just like Ephraim was the Chashivah Shevet. So Ephrasi became a term for someone who had a Chashivah, who was some Chashivah, means that he was a Chashivah person. <clears throat> he had two wives. Shem Achas Chana Veshem Ashenis Penina. He had, and and the 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 pasuk goes out of its way to tell us it doesn't. It, it says that there was the Shem Achas and there was the Hashenis, the second wife. The first one was Chana and the second one was Penina. Penina had children and Chana did not have children. Now, why are we stressing that Chana was the first wife, Penina was the second wife? Because Chazal tell us, and we learn it out from the way the Pasuk sets it up, the Malbim says, that Chana was really his wife, and he wasn't looking to marry multiple wives. He was married for 10 years, he didn't have children, and the halacha, technically, we don't do this, as man says, a person's to make sure he has children. If he doesn't have children after 10 years, he has to take another wife, or get divorced. So he saw after 10 years, he didn't have children, so he went and he married a second wife, he married Penina. But despite that, 
Chana still remained in his eyes, even though Penina had children, and maybe there would be room, he would now look at Penina as a more important wife, and Mochashif, she was still the Shemus, the second wife, and he still appreciated and loved Chana, who was his first wife. And this Ish, Elkanah, went up from his city, at certain specific times, and we'll discuss what Yom Yimima means, he went up to Shiloi, and then the Pasik tells us something which doesn't seem to fit in over here. Why is this important? There are the two Bnei Eli, Chafniu Pinchas, Kehanim Lashem. And we'll discuss why this is brought in here in the Pasik. <coughs> so, what's, what is he going up? That's, that's a coincidence of Ezra Shem starting Chagigu and learning about Eul Regal. So he was being Eul Regal. Tagim says, the Solik Gavrahu, and that person went up, Mikarte from his city, Mizman Moyed Lamoy, from every Regal to Regal. He went up to be Eul Regal. Every one of the Shol Shigolim, Lemiskad Ladavcha Kadam Hashem, to bow down and to bring a carbon to Hashem, Tzvakis Mashiloi. So, <clears throat> he's being a regal. Now, other Mepharshim say that actually the Lashem Yom Yamima sounds like it's something he did. And the Pasik says again, it sounds like later on that this is something that was done yearly. Because the Pasik says that when it describes the meal, we're not going to have time to get to tonight, but it says, every year, seems pretty clear in the Pesukim later that this was a yearly event. So the Mepharshim say several different Mahalchim, even though you could say that just means every single year by all Shalash Regalim. Say the Pashas of Tagamianism. Many of want to say either it's not so Pashat there was a Chiv to be Eul Regal because Kol's man, the Ramban says that Kol's man, there was no base in Migdash, there was no Chiv to be Eul Regal. And right now there's no base in Migdash, it's just the Mishkan in Shila, there's no Chiv to be Eul Regal. It's not the Mokim and Shayivcher boy Hashem Lashach in Shemay Sham, it's not Yushalayim. But others say that Avada Eli went up to Yushalayim himself three times a year, but he didn't take. Like we're going to learn, I was learning uh, Chagiga, it's only Nashim uh, Repotomy to be Euleregel. So he went with his sons, and that's it. And, but once a year, he made a special trip, and could be, wasn't even on Yantiv. Others say it was on Yantiv, that it, one of the Yantivim, he took the whole family, and he made a big deal. Chazal say that he made a big deal out of going every year. It was something that had become very, very weak in Klai, so the idea of being Euleregel, whether it was a mitzvah, or just to go up and, and, and imbibe of the Kedusha, of the Mokim of Ashos Ashrina, people were Nisrashal, people were not being Euler Egel. And this is what was unique. We said before that he was an Ish, he was just a, did something as a citizen that had a tremendous impact on Kali Yisrael. He made a big procession and a big deal out of going up to Yishalayim. He would go from city to city, went different Mahalchem, he went in a circuit, in, in your windy paths to go through as many cities as possible. And people should see, look, where, where are you going? Oh, we're going up to Yishalayim. They saw if he's going, maybe we should also go. And people joined him. And he had a tremendous impact in causing people to go up to Yishalayim. Why was there this hysterashless? Why weren't people being Euler Egel? So that's the end of the Pasik. The Pasik tells us because Visham Lashem. Because the two sons, the, the, those that were in charge of the base of Migdash, were the sons of Eli Chafni Pinchas, who unfortunately were not being Hailuch Badarche Hashem in the right way, and they brought a Chil Hashem, they brought a Bazayan to the base of Migdash. People didn't want to go because of them, and we'll see soon the terrible Navul Arab what happened because of this. But I'll call upon him, there was this sense people didn't want to have anything to do with the Beis HaMikdash, and he, with his example, 
inspired people to be Eul Regal, and because of this, he was Zeichet to son Shmuel, and this is what he did that was so unique. He's an Ish Echad, one person making a point of doing a mitzvah in a public way, a mitzvah that had become shvach, had a tremendous impact in Klal Yisrael, and it's because of this that he was taka zeichet to have the Navi Shmuel come out from, I think we'll stop over here. Shkech. Yeah. Um, is that why also the, the, um, it doesn't mention all kinds of you just said his name, say his name again. We're pointing just as a person. Why not? Not this, Ellie. Um, by the way, I, I, 